0: Amen. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much because our hearts echo the words of that song. Lord, we can't live a day without You, without Your presence in our lives. Lord, we can't live, we can't live an hour, a minute, a second without You, Father. Nothing in this world, nothing in our lives can satisfy us but You, Only you could redeem and and rescue us. Lord, only you can lift us out of the destruction we were in. And only you can fill us with the satisfying bread of life. It's true. Only you can satisfy us, Lord. Lord, you're our sustenance. You're everything we need and everything we want on this journey of life. And we pray now that you'll open our eyes, open our ears and our hearts to hear the word you have for us. Father, encourage us and and challenge us this morning, we pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen. I received a very interesting piece of mail recently from from a local church. It was a marketing mailer promoting a new program that they had. And, and, And I tell you, it was very well done, very slick. And it really caught my attention. Here's what caught my eye. On the front of the mailer, in big, bold letters, were some questions. And they asked, are you too busy to read the Bible? Can't find time to pray? And the subheading said, come to our time management seminar and let us help you reclaim back countless hours of your life. So I proceeded to open the the mailer and and there I found a questionnaire, a survey of 48 questions that you're required to fill out and, and bring to the seminar. 48 questions dealing with how you spend your time, what your priorities are, what you envision your priorities to be, all in an attempt to help you reclaim back hours of your life. And you heard that right, 48 questions to help you claim back hours of your life, I'm thinking, here's my seminar. Start by throwing away the questionnaire and save yourself a good hour. But, but what really sparked my interest in this were the questions they were asking. And so much time and energy and effort and money went in to tackling this time management problem. I thought of those questions. Too busy for God. Too busy to read the Word of God. Can't find time to pray. And then I thought, wow, so much energy, but they're tackling the wrong problem. See, it's not a time management problem at all, is it? It's a hunger problem. You see, if you're hungry enough, nobody has to tell you when to eat. A hungry person doesn't just wait for food to happen upon them. Right. A grumbling stomach. That's going to drive some of the choices and the decisions you make. If you're hungry, it's going to show up in your life. And you'll make room. You'll change your life. You'll find time for a meal. You know, God loves a big spiritual appetite. He's in the business of feeding the spiritually needy. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, we know this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Appetite is an excellent gauge for health. Oftentimes, doctors use appetite as a gauge, right? If you, if, if you have a lack of desire for food, sometimes it's, a, it's an indication that something deeper is, is going wrong. We use appetite in the sports world, right? We ask, how hungry is that athlete, that individual, that team? How hungry are they to win? How hungry are they to to take it to the next level? You know, that gauge applies in our spiritual lives as well. How hungry are we? As born-again believers, it was so encouraging hearing those testimonies Wednesday night. As born-again believers, we have an innate desire for God. We have a built-in need, a hunger for Him. And if we have no appetite for the things of God, if we don't hunger after his word and his principles and his people, if we don't have a hunger for the holy, something's wrong. Today, I want us to look at the reasons for a lack of spiritual hunger. And I want us to be very honest with ourselves in analyzing and addressing our own spiritual appetite. And any good analysis of ourselves, it's got to begin with a standard against which we measure ourselves. For that, we go to God's Word. So our text today is Luke chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 10. The background of this, Jesus has been traveling the countryside and he's been performing many miracles, doing many signs and wonders and And he's been telling all those who will listen about his father in heaven. And so we find him now passing through in a little town named Jericho. Verse one. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but but being a short man, he could not because of his of the crowd So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. I want us to stop here. Stop and take a look at Zacchaeus' spiritual condition. Here was a man who was so hungry spiritually, so desperate for forgiveness, that he'd do anything to get it. He had a sin-stained life and a tainted heart, but he had hope. Jesus was here. He was so desperate for a second chance, for a clean start. How desperate was he? He was so desperate. Look look at the obstacles. Look at his situation. Look what stood in his way. What do we know about him? First, we're told Zacchaeus was a tax collector. It's, It's important to note that tax collectors of that region were Jewish by birth, but they were working for the Roman Empire. So already, to their own people, they were viewed as traitors. Second, what did tax collectors do? Well, they stole from the people they taxed. They would overtax the common people, give the Roman Empire their cut, and then keep a cut for themselves. So already they were seen as traitors. They were known thieves. You could see why they, they were regarded as cheats. Tax collectors were some of the most hated men around. And as chief tax collector, Zacchaeus was the most hated man in town. He had a crooked past and nobody around him was going to help him out. No one around him was going to help him in his quest for a second chance. What else do we know? Verse two. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Verse three says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was a man of short stature. He couldn't see above the crowd. So he had a physical obstacle as well. What else do we know? Image. Image. Oh, and the senior position he was in, by Roman standing, he had his image to think about. He had his dignity to keep among the Roman administration. See, he couldn't let on that he had any problems or any needs or he wasn't happy. He couldn't let on that he was miserable. You know, this is one of the most dangerous lies the devil feeds us to keep us from getting the spiritual help we need. Don't let on that anything's wrong. Would it have been better for Zacchaeus to keep his dignity and lose his soul? To wind up in hell? So, so you see the obstacles he had in his way. He had his past. He had his occupation. He had his physical stature. He had the crowd. He had his image. He had his dignity. But Zacchaeus was different from the crowd that day. He had something so much deeper going on. He had such a desperation and a hunger for God. You could say he was starving, starving for forgiveness. So he gave up his dignity to take a look at Jesus because he was hungry for what Jesus could feed him. That, my friend, is a desire that Christ can never turn away. That's a real deep spiritual hunger. And he always rewards that hunger. He always rewards our deep need for him. Above anything else. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your home today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and, and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That's what we call repentance. That's what we call abandoning our sin and coming clean. Jesus said to him, Today, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. I love that. In, in the next few hours, in Zacchaeus' own home, that crooked tax collector, he found out that Jesus had to offer exactly what he was looking for, exactly what he needed. Jesus could feed his spiritual hunger. He could forgive his sins. Jesus could wipe the slate clean, give him a second chance, give him eternal life. It's so interesting to note that, that among all the throng, among everyone in that crowd that day, Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. He looked at him. Why him? Why Zacchaeus? What made him so special? Well, I told you, Zacchaeus had something else going on. Something different from the crowd. See, the crowd was following Jesus to see him perform some more miracles. They were so hungry for for what Jesus could do. Zacchaeus was hungry for Jesus. He was hungry for forgiveness. When you have a spiritual thirst, a spiritual hunger, you actively step out to get the help you need. That's what Zacchaeus did, right? It's not enough to be in the crowd. It's not enough to just be in the vicinity of Jesus. Oh, he's nearby. He's here. It's not enough to just show up at church. Your spiritual lives have to extend beyond the walls of this building. You've got to develop a personal relationship. That's what hunger is. I want a personal relationship with Christ. How do you do you do that? How do you create a relationship? How do you foster it? It takes time, it takes effort, it takes a desire. Are you one of the passive crowd members today? Just waiting around, showing up, hanging out, waiting to see what Jesus is going to do? What's going to happen? Friend, that's an indication that there's a lack of spiritual hunger. If it's not deep in your life, if there's not a deep desire... For God, you find yourself there, is it easier? Is it easier to think about oh, this is more fun let's let's spend time let's pick up the remote control, spend time surfing the channels rather than picking up your Bible, spending time reading god's word. Does an evening at home sound better to you than an evening at Bible study? does the spending time with your old friends sound more attractive than spending time fellowshipping with believers. Now, if so, something's wrong. Take an honest look at yourself today. Gauge your spiritual hunger. God is looking to satisfy rumbling stomachs. Christians desperate for more of Him. If your spiritual appetite is lacking, something's wrong. And so today we're going to look at four causes for a lack of spiritual hunger. Number one, and this is the biggest one, spiritual appetite suppressants. What does that mean? If you think about it, you can't want more of God if you're not right with God. You can't be right with God if there's sin in your life. Sin is the spiritual appetite suppressant. Unconfessed sin alienates us from God. It precludes us from speaking with Him, from worshiping Him, from spending time with him, from wanting him. When sin gets in the way, it impacts our relationship with God, and that impacts everything in our lives. Our choices, our decisions, our family, our relationships, our joy, our peace. Everything is impacted when there's sin in our lives. Our spirit is suppressed and everything goes terribly wrong. When sin is present. So you see, there's a there's a direct correlation between our spiritual desire and our standing with God. If we're right with God, we desire him more. And perhaps in the scriptures no one knew this better than David. David says in Psalms twenty four, three through six, Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Or or who may stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain nor swears deceitfully to his neighbor, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks for him, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. It's so true. Who can be close to God? The one whose heart is clean. If sin is standing in the way of your spiritual appetite, your spiritual desire, how do you fix it? We saw what Zacchaeus did. Repent, turn around, Confess it. Abandon it. God is waiting with open arms. Ready to forgive, to restore, and to take you back. What else? What's another cause for a lack of spiritual hunger? Number two, you're already satisfied with the wrong stuff. You filled yourself up on snacks. Yeah. We've all grown up hearing it. Your mom, your dad, hey, don't spoil your dinner. Don't ruin your appetite. See, if you eat enough snacks, it becomes a cheap substitute for addressing legitimate hunger. You lose your appetite for the real thing. Are you so busy in your life feeding on junk that you've lost your taste for God's gourmet food? Have you filled your life and the hours of your day with the pursuit of the pointless? Gauge everything in light of eternity. Ask yourself, everything that that fills our time and our lives, is it worthwhile in the scope of eternity? Everything that fills my mind, my thoughts, my desires, my emotions, does it matter to God? Is it going to last for eternity? Or is it just junk food? Am I filling myself with just junk food? Food that, that provides no lasting Spiritual nourishment. And what does it do? It ultimately destroys our spiritual health. God wants us to feast on his word, to bask in his principles, to fellowship with his saints. You know, we can never say God doesn't give us enough resources to fill us. We're so blessed here. We're so blessed as his children. He gives us so much. Our spiritual nourishment isn't limited by his giving. It's limited by our taking. You want to fix your spiritual appetite? You want to desire God more? You want that hunger? and stop snacking on the things of the world. Start feasting on the things of God. Another cause for spiritual hunger. Number three, your spiritual diet consists of fast food. We've all been there. You're running out the door in the morning. Ah, oh, my devotion. You grab a Bible, you grab a devotional, you read a short passage, say a quick prayer, slam it down, you're out the door to get on to the business of the day. And sadly, we think, there, Lord, I I fulfilled my obligation. Friend, don't do God any favors. Spending time with God is for our spiritual growth, for our benefit, not his. You know. Something goes so wrong. We, we become so skewed in our attitude and our perspective. When we start seeing spending time with God, whether personal time or church time, prayer time, whatever it is, when we start thinking of that as, as an obligation rather than a privilege that's for our own good and necessary for our spiritual growth. Think, think of a little, a little infant. You know, Can a little infant grow without proper nutrition, without food, no. And, and the same applies to Christians. Think of the absurdity of that little infant saying, I've got to eat again. <laughs> they have to eat to grow. That's life. So take advantage of every opportunity to spend quality time with our master, to learn of him, to know him, to open our hearts to him. And much like the physical consequences The spiritual diet of fast food, it leads only to destruction. They've got reality shows out there. They've got documentaries now about the dangers of fast food. You know what? It's the same in the spiritual world. If we become so accustomed to small portions, quick portions of God, it does nothing but destroy us. It doesn't fill us up. It doesn't last. If you want a healthy spiritual appetite, cut out the fast food. And take every opportunity to spend more time and better time with the Lord. Fourth cause. What's another cause? Your spiritual capacity is limited. What does that mean? Well, many of us spend much of the week fasting from God. And then we come to church on Sunday and it seems to be plenty to satisfy us. That's enough to satisfy my spiritual appetite. See, our capacity is restricted. Our capacity is limited. You know, if you eat very rarely and eat very little, something happens. You shrink your stomach. You can't handle large meals anymore. Works great for a diet. But it doesn't work in the spiritual life. That's a tragedy. See, God wants us to be a people whom He can relay big principles to. Big promises. Big blessings. If our capacity for God is limited... We're of little use in His service. We we don't have the capacity to take stands for Christ. We don't have the capacity to reach out to His people. We don't have the capacity to forgive when someone does something wrong against us. Why? Because our spiritual thinking takes up so little of our mindset. It's a very minor part. And we need to expand this Let's be a people of a large spiritual capacity. Look at Zacchaeus. Follow his example. A desperate pursuit of Christ. Those who are in hot pursuit of the holy, they keep expanding their spiritual appetite. They want to eat all the time, more and more. They want as much of God as they can possibly handle. That's the kind of Christian we want to be. Amen? You know, you can always pick out those believers who have a large spiritual appetite. They have a large capacity for the things of the Lord. It shows. It shows in their walk. It shows in their attitude. It shows in their speech. They're the ones who always want to talk about the things of God. It shows in their countenance. They're always joyful. They they get excited when you bring up the things of the Lord. You bring up a Bible story. Oh, I love the part where... Oh, I love when God does... There's joy in their countenance. There's peace in their heart. There's an excitement about the things of God. You know, they're the ones who are always at peace when everything around them is falling apart. They're the ones looking to God when everyone else is looking at the situations and the problems and the circumstances around them. Why? Because their focus... Their pursuit, their passion is on God. That's what they want. That's what they see. Their mind is on spiritual things. It shows up in their priorities. They don't don't make time for the trivial because the things of God come first. It shows up in their perspective. They approach life's big problems as opportunities for God to show up and do something big. Friends, don't settle for a restricted spiritual capacity. Restricted spiritual appetite. God is calling you to a deeper walk, to higher heights with Him. That's His desire for every believer. He has such amazing things to show us if we just come along for the ride. He'll take us through good times. He'll take us through bad times. But there's nothing better than knowing that it's Him doing the taking. It's him doing the leading. He wants to show us more of himself, but only if we're willing and ready. So let's adjust our focus and our priorities and our perspective to expand our spiritual capacity. Pursue more God more often. See, a large spiritual capacity will always directly correlate to a healthy spiritual appetite and a happy, contented, rested Christian. So how do I do it? How do I expand my capacity for the spiritual? I love the example Jeff gave us Wednesday night of his testimony. If you want to make room for something new, you've got to take something old out. I've got a clean house because Jesus is moving in. The first thing we do, let's get rid of the things that aren't pleasing to the Lord. Let's get rid of the thoughts that don't please God. Let's get rid of the mindset and the thinking that's secular, that's only from this world. Yeah, let's start by removing our secular thinking. You know, we become so ingrained with the ways of the world that, that they become part of our character, don't they? Everything from dealing with, with those against us, proving our points, solving our problems, Every secular approach is so contrary to God's ways. And, and we take that on. Look, the world tells us, destroy our enemies. God's word says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5:44. The world tells us to go to any length to prove our point. Don't let it go. God's word says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15.1 The world tells us, trust yourself. Trust yourself and your knowledge through any storm of life. It'll get you through. God's word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 3.5 See, everything we are, most everything we know, everything we've learned in this world before we come to Christ is contrary to the ways of God. But what happens is they become our natural thought processes our instant reactions, our natural reactions. Someone angers you, you strike back with a cutting word. A problem hits, you start using your own resources to fix it. When we get saved, I love it, the Lord gives us a clean spiritual slate. But we need to wipe the slate clean of our mindset, our thought process. We need to let go of those old ways, secular principles old motivations, old reactions and make room for God's spiritual alternatives. See, we can't expand our spiritual capacity if we're so filled up with the ways of the world. There's no room for the things of God. You don't have it, you won't want it. But once we begin to make room for God's ways in our lives, we'll find that we have a renewed hunger, a renewed desire for His things, for His ways, for His principles and for His people. Four reasons for a lacking spiritual appetite. See, it, it all boils down to that. It's, it's not a time management issue. It's not a lack of time problem. It's a lack of hunger problem. It's a lack of desire. Next time you find yourself saying you didn't have time to pray, you didn't have time to read your Bible, you were too busy to spend time with God, realize that's not the case. It wasn't a lack of time. You weren't hungry enough. You didn't want it bad enough. If you want it badly enough, nothing can get in the way of your pursuit of God. It'll drive your decisions. It'll drive your priorities. It'll drive your relationships. It'll drive your stands. It'll drive your time management. So stop today and ask yourself why am I not hungry enough? What's wrong? Why don't I want more God in my life? I know it's a good thing. How come I don't want it badly enough? Is sin standing in the way? Has sin suppressed that innate, built-in desire we have for God? Or has something else become a poor substitute for the things of God? What have you been substituting in place of God in your life? What junk have you turned to that fills your time and your thoughts and your actions in your day? Friend, it'll only leave you empty. It doesn't last. It destroys. It's a camouflage. Temporary satisfaction. If you're sitting here today and you've longed for something more in your life, if you want what we saw Jesus give to Zacchaeus, if you can identify with Zacchaeus, If you've had a driving hunger that's never been fulfilled, friend, there's a sycamore tree waiting for you to climb up today, to reach out and to find Christ. He'll give you a second chance, He'll wipe the slate clean. He's come to this place, and He's so willing if you're ready. Are you hungry enough to lay aside, like Zacchaeus did, your past and your problems? and your pride, and your image, and say, I need God. I've never given him my heart. In John 6.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Jesus satisfies. Do you want that kind of contentment? You've never had it? Do you want that kind of fulfillment, that satisfaction, that peace, that only he can give, what's yours for the taking. Accept Him as your Savior. Open your heart to Him. Receive Him today. And like He did for Zacchaeus, He will come in. He'll show up today at your house. He will dine with you. He will give you a second chance. And He will turn your life around. And dear believer, if you find that that spiritual hunger is lacking, there's got to be a reason. Think, Think of those four reasons. What's going on in my life? Stop the suppressants. Stop the substitute. Stop the junk food and the fast food and start spending real time with God. Start filling your life with more God and less me. Less of what what I think I want. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't last. It destroys. Everything that fills our lives, we need to ask does it matter? Is that going to really benefit me? Does that please the Lord? Is that going to last? Or is it junk? Have I filled my hours and my efforts and my emotions and my passions with, with junk? Aren't they better spent in pursuit of the holy? Something that will last, something that will fill, something that will satisfy. We need to make the decision today To say, Lord, I need to fix my priorities. Lord, I need to fix my perspective. Forgive me for robbing you of the time you deserve and the time I so badly need with you. Lord, I want to desire you again. I want that desperate pursuit of you. I want you. I want to turn only to you. Lord, I want to be hungry again. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we we come before you with, it, with an earnest desire for a healthy spiritual appetite. We come before you we cast aside all the garbage, all the junk, all the empty pursuits that have filled our time and our head and our emotions. We realize that they just don't matter, Lord. They're just wood, hay, and stubble. They've left us empty. They won't last. They've left us still hungry for something more. Lord, you are more. You are more than our greatest desire, more than our greatest need. You're more than all we could ever hope for or dream of. Only you can provide what we so desperately need. Father, we echo the words of Peter. Lord, where else would we go? Who else has the words of eternal life? So we turn our back on every other substitute, Lord, for you in our lives. We're we're done with them. We want to move on. We want our desires and our pursuits to be only for you. From the depths of our heart, Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your patience with us. Empty us today of ourselves and fill us up with only you. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.